2: Welcome back to a new episode of Podcast on the Brink. Recording this on the evening of Sunday, October 8th. Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register is back on Podcast on the Brink. Tyler, where are you joining us from this evening? From my hotel
1: room in Minneapolis, right across from the Target Center where Big Ten Media Days will be taking place. The women's on Monday and the men's on Tuesday. This is take two of the podcast. Our first take was when I was going through the fields of the Midwest and the connection wasn't very good. So glad to uh, be able to connect now.
2: Yeah, we made it about 10 minutes and then I had to stop the interview because Tyler was in, I don't know exactly where he was, but he, he named some landmark that he had just saw. And then all of a sudden his audio started to cut in and out. So, we uh we called an audible, waited for him to get to his hotel in Minneapolis. And here we are and we're actually going to discuss the Big 10's official unofficial media poll which is is now out after as you're listening to this podcast uh, on Monday. The the Big 10 itself does not uh conduct its own preseason media poll. So, Brendan Quinn of the Athletic and Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch have kind of taken over, you know, t- getting the pulse of the, the league in the preseason um, and then, I guess, in an official, unofficial manner. So they survey 28 riders from around the league each year. And Tyler, actually, first year voter this year uh, from the Iowa beat. Uh, Zach Osterman and myself are the voters uh, from Indiana basically what you do is you rank your teams in the preseason one through 14. This will actually probably get much tougher next season when it's one through 18, four teams joining the big 10 also pick our preseason big 10 teams, first and second team preseason player of the year, which uh, no surprise who that's going to be this season. Uh, Newcomer of the year, our transfer of the year, uh, rather freshman of the year and first and second, all big 10 teams are a part of the exercise. So, Not surprising that Purdue comes in as the preseason favorite ahead of media day on Tuesday in Minneapolis. Tyler, as he said, will be there to cover it all. But Tyler actually went with Michigan State as his preseason pick out of the possible 28 first place votes. uh, Purdue got 24 of the 28. Tyler, why did you choose to go with Michigan State over uh, Purdue? And are you surprised that only three of of your colleagues around the Big Ten join you with that? I
1: am a little bit surprised. I think it, I was probably more expecting it to be closer to 50-50, maybe 60-40 or something of that nature. Um, there's Purdue is, you know, obviously uh, th- there's a strong case for them to be uh, the preseason favorites. But the reason I, I went with Michigan State was for uh, a variety of, variety of reasons. One, because of the production they were bringing back, A.J. Hogard, um, Jaden Akins. Uh, Tyson Walker three players that I think are going to have a really big impact this season and then also because of what Michigan State is bringing in they're they're bringing in a a really good recruiting class Xavier Booker who uh, Indiana fans will be familiar with because he's from the state of Indiana and um, Cohen Carr who Indiana did recruit for a little bit just really athletic kind of slashing wing and then um, also Jeremy Fears a talented point guard so that combination of youth and experience. And then you have to add the Tom is a factor on top of that. I mean, I think just the caliber of coach he is. I and mean, l- last season, he took kind of sort of like an average Michigan State team, went to the Sweet 16 with it. And uh, they had a, you know, a instant classic basically against uh, Kansas State and Marquise Noel. So I think, the Tom Izzo effect probably adds at least one to two wins in in March or in the NCAA tournament, if I had to say so. Um I think Purdue, and look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue wins the league, but I'm wondering after the loss to, to Fairleigh Dickinson, if teams are going to attack Purdue even more aggressive in the let everyone else beat us or let Zach Edey do his thing and let everyone else beat us. Cause that's how fairly Dickinson won basically is by leaving guys open on the perimeter. And like, you know, Zach Edey was getting his dunks and stuff, but uh, making the pieces around them beat you. So I'm wondering if teams will look at that br- blueprint of how fairly Dickinson did it. And, you know, if, if that might cause produce some more problems, Of obviously I think they, they they might still be fine. I think they will still be fine, but I, that's the reason I kind of went with Michigan State. Feel so like they have a higher ceiling.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could be right there in terms of the ceiling. Uh, obviously, Purdue's going to go into the season the higher ranked team. I think in the AP poll, Michigan State I think is going to be right there behind them though. If you um, if you look at most of the preseason rankings, both teams are somewhere in the top five to seven, depending on where you look. So you might be right that it's a little bit surprising that it was so uh, lopsided but I do think people remember just how dominant Purdue was in the regular season last year and it's it's tough to go against the team that's bringing back you know the the odds on favorite to be the national player of the year so I think it'll be a great conference race I think either team could win I went with Purdue in my ballot but I think Obviously, those two teams are kind of a cut above everybody else when you look at the standings. And you look at kind of the point totals um, from the voting, it's out of a, you know, a possible, I think, 392 total votes um, when you kind of a- assign the point totals to each team. So Purdue and, and Michigan State at one and two. And then the next tier, I guess you would say, of teams, just looking kind of at the point totals here, Maryland, Illinois, and Wisconsin any of those teams stand out to you just in terms of intrigue entering the season, any of the, you know, uh, to me, I'm really curious to see Illinois this, this year, because I think if there's going to be a player who's going to win big 10 player of the year, not named Zach Eady, I think it's Terrence Shannon jr. Of Illinois. I think he's one of the more dynamic guys, not just in the the big 10, but in the country, curious to see how they're going to look, Without Matthew Mayer, they're obviously returning Coleman Hawkins, uh, Danger bringing in also a pretty solid class. So to me, out of that that group of teams, you know, in terms of ceiling, Maryland, Illinois, Wisconsin, I mean, I think Maryland has a pretty high ceiling too. But I think, you know, Illinois is a team that's really interesting to me entering the year.
1: Yeah, I think each are kind of unique in their own way. And I think to me, those three are kind of the, the clear three behind Michigan State and Purdue. Um, I think Wisconsin is really interesting just because of what they have returning. Steven Crowell, Tyler Wall, Wall uh, Connor Esigen, who Esigen, if I'm saying that correctly. Es- es- Esigen. Es- es- Esigen. Esigen, Esigen. Um, but he he had a good freshman season. And I think he's kind of a guy that is expected to make a, a, a jump. Then they also brought in AJ Store, a, a transfer from St. John's. So uh, a lot of production coming back. Interested to see how Greg Gard kind of manages all that. And then I'm high on Maryland. I think with, with Jameer Young and Julian Reese, um, that's a really good one, two punch, a really good duo. And then also the freshman class they brought in with, uh, Jamie Kaiser Jr. and, um, Deshaun Harris Smith, who, who I think seems like people are expecting to kind of make an instant impact. Um, but when you have a lead guard like Jameer Young, who, who's proven that he can play at, you know, the Big Ten level, and uh, Julian Reese, who, who's also really good down low, I I think Maryland has a chance to to really make some noise.
2: Yeah, I would say with Wisconsin, maybe of those three teams, um, they have the lowest ceiling. But I would put, kind of put an asterisk next to that because of AJ Store and what he could potentially bring. He's he's a player that's much different than typical. Uh, Wisconsin recruit just because he likes to get out and transition. He's an athletic guy. He's a wing that can go get a bucket. That's oftentimes that's what Wisconsin is missing. They had it a couple of years ago with Johnny Davis. He was a guy that you could just give the ball too late in the shot clock and he go get you a bucket. They didn't have it last year, and it, it showed. I mean, they were a team that really stro- struggled to score. So if Store can can bring that and if season takes another step forward, I think Wisconsin's got a chance to be really good. The thing with Maryland that you know. I wonder about is just their depth. Um, They do have, obviously, three really good returning players. You mentioned Young and Julian Reese. They also bring back uh, Donta Scott, who feels like he's been in the Big Ten now forever. And he's a guy that, you know, he's not going to jump out because of his athleticism or anything that he does um, from that standpoint. But he's just a solid guy that knows how to play. He's tough. He's physical. And then you you mentioned the freshman. But, you know, when I was writing the team preview for Maryland, you know, after like seven guys or so you know i was starting to question their depth a little bit so that's the one thing with maryland that i wonder but i I agree with you those teams are at least in the preseason and i'm sure there's going to be somebody that kind of outperforms expectations and gets into that group and it it won't be because it's never as easy as kind of picking these teams in this order and then that's what actually happens because it it rarely does happen but i think on paper that's kind of the the way uh, that it should be i want this next group of teams kind of cover you know includes both of the teams that that you and I cover Indiana, obviously coming in at number six, Iowa at number nine, any surprise there just in terms of where both of those teams came in on the preseason pull? I I picked Indiana seventh. I think you picked them sixth. looking at it. I don't have it directly in front of me, but I'm, I think that's what I had written down here on my notes. You, you had them up there and then obviously I think you had Iowa maybe a, a spot ahead of, of nine, I think they uh, maybe had them eighth. So, general area uh, in terms of what you have. But any surprise that either with where either one of those teams are ranked?
1: Do do you not have my uh, preseason rankings memorized? I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned by that.
2: I, I don't even have mine memorized, so I don't have yours for sure.
1: <laughs> uh, I'll start with Indiana. I had them at six, and I feel like that kind of struck a good balance between them being able to crack that top five, but if things go bad, also them slipping lower than that. I think this Indiana team has a higher ceiling than last season's team. I think they also have a considerably lower floor. There's no Trace Jackson Davis as a a safety net. If all things go wrong, you can't just toss the ball into him anymore. Race Thompson gone, Miller Kopp gone, Jalen Huchafino gone. To me, this season feels a lot more similar to Mike Woodson's first season at Indiana than it did his second because the first season you have Mike Woodson coming in doing a lot of work in the transfer portal uh bringing in Tamar Bates and kind of that late recruiting cycle um Miller Cop, Xavier Johnson uh those guys were new at the time uh so my guys like Michael Durr as well and then last season it, it was a lot more returners. It was a lot more, I think you knew what you were going to get from certain guys. And this season, it's kind of following that pattern of Mike Woodson's first season where uh, a lot of guys leaving, a lot of new guys coming in. How is he going to manage all that? How does that come together? There's just kind of a lot of unknown. I think they can be really good. I think they could also, uh you know, not have a good season at all. Um, As far as Iowa, I had them at eight. I, I think that they can quietly Surprise people and, and by that i don't mean necessarily finishing in the top three or four but finishing in the top half of the big 10 maybe making you know a little bit noise up to the you know the sixth range or something like that but in, in recent history this is kind of unprecedented territory for iowa because there's no bona fide star and in the re- in the last handful of years Iowa has entered the season with a guy whether that be luca garza chris murray or keegan murray Iowa doesn't have that type of player this season. I think maybe Peyton Sanford can not get to the level of those guys, but he can kind of take that alpha role, but th- th- it's not clear cut at this point leading into the season. So it's going to take more of a collective group. Um, Iowa has four freshmen coming in. It, bought, it brought in uh, two transfers, one of them being Ben Cricky, who uh, was the leading scorer in the uh, Ohio Valley Conference last season. Uh, then you bring back what Turner's Patrick McCaffrey, Tony Perkins, and uh, Sanford and DeSante Bowen, Josh Dix, some other role guys. So interested to see in a similar way to Indiana how all that comes together because there's a lot of kind of unknown. Um, but I do think that if they if they're able to put it together in the regular season, I think they could quietly surprise some people.
2: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BDW void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Yeah. One thing we do know about Iowa is they're going to score a ton of points. That's kind of a given. That's every season. Fran McCaffrey puts together a really good offensive team. It's going to come down to, can they be much better defensively? Because I think it really limits their ceiling as a team, uh, as, as a program. When you're, when you're obviously just trying to outscore people and not being able to get stops as consistently, uh, that that really makes it difficult, but I agree with you. I think Iowa's got a chance to maybe outperform those expectations a little bit. Want to move on to some of the um, other things that we voted on and get your take on a couple of things. The preseason Big Ten Player of the Year. This was somehow not unanimous. Twenty-seven of twenty-eight votes went to Zach Eadie. There was a vote for Michigan State's Tyson Walker, which I uh, you know you know. I'm not going to get into who who cast that vote. If you want to go look up the ballots, uh, they're out there. But to me, this doesn't make any sense to to go with anybody other than Edie. Big Ten Freshman of the Year, McKenzie Baco of Indiana, got 19 of the 28 votes. Others receiving votes, uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith got five. Michigan State's Xavier Booker, two. Miles Colvin, one. And Scotty Middleton got one. I understand, Tower, you voted for Xavier Booker. Is that just based on just kind of his upside and potential, or anything particular you saw there? That, or the fact that maybe he's pl- going to play on a team that could potentially win the Big Ten? How much of that ha- have a, have a role in it?
1: I think there's definitely a case for Mackenzie Mbaco and, and, and Deshaun Harris Smith, and, and I definitely consider those. I think with Xavier Booker, the skill set that he has of one, I think the biggest question for him coming into this his freshman season is: is he physically ready? Because he is. You know, slider of build, really tall, lanky. But I think because of his skill set, that you know, without knowing exactly Tom Izzo's thought process, that he can play at the four. Or he can kind of be some more of a wing that doesn't necessarily have to basically stake out in the paint and have to deal with the the Dane dangers and the uh you know the the the, the brunt the, the bulk of the Big Ten bigs. I think that his his skill set is translatable in terms of what he can do of of being sort of that modern wing. He's tall. I almost compare him somewhat to Chris Murray and, and that being they're both lefties, they both can, uh, you know, are, are taller that can sort of, uh, shoot the ball, do things on the perimeter, also do things in the post. So I, I, I don't feel like coming into the season, there was like a clear cut, this freshman is head and shoulders above everyone else. I think, Um, There was definitely a case for other guys. I also feel like the fact that he's being coached by Tom Izzo, uh, which I kind of explained earlier, you know, why I felt that, you know, that was notable, but, but also the fact that there might just not be as much pressure on him for what he is asked to do because there's so many other good players around him. Usually when you have other good players around you, established players at the college level that elevates your game. So he could average good numbers without necessarily having to be the one, two, or even three option.
2: Yeah, I, from a talent perspective, there's no disputing whether, you know, Booker is is one of the best incoming freshmen in the Big Ten. I wonder just in terms of his role and how much of an opportunity, if he'll be able to put up the numbers in order to win that award. But Mbako, obviously getting 19 of the 28 votes, I think a lot of people looking at the opportunity for him to probably come in immediately, play 28, 30 minutes a game, get a ton of shots just based on what we're hearing in the preseason from, some of Indiana's uh players and Mike Woodson in terms of the role that they expect him to take on. But two names I want to throw out that we could be looking back on this season and and saying maybe some people missed the boat on this. Ohio State's Scotty Middleton, I think, is going to be really good. And Devin Royal, also of Ohio State. Those two newcomers, I think, are going to be really Uh, impactful for their respective teams. We already talked a little bit about Deshaun Harris-Smith. I think it's a great season, actually, in the Big Ten for for freshmen. I know their importance, maybe, overall in college basketball has kind of gone down a little bit with the transfer portal, but I do think this year's freshman class in the Big Ten is going to be outstanding. Another thing that we voted on was Big Ten preseason transfer of the year, and I don't think either one of us voted for the player who – got the nod here. Penn State's ace Baldwin, who I think is going to be terrific. He's coming in as the uh, last season's A-10 player of the year. Not only the player of the year in that league, the defensive player in the year. Uh, you went with Khalil Ware as your transfer of, of the year. I think that's actually a, a pretty smart gamble in terms of uh, a, a pick. You know, Only two, two, two people total picked him. Obviously, you're not going to get anything if he, <laughs> if he does come through and win transfer of the year, but I think you could look smart at the end of the year if he reaches his potential. Do you, do you? How important is he in your eyes for Indiana to reach its potential as a team? Does he have to? Cu- does he have to play to that level if Indiana is going to be that high ceiling team that you talked about? Maybe potentially being even higher ceiling than, than last year's team.
1: I think he's part of it. I, I think Xavier Johnson plays a big role in that when we renew what Indiana's guard play as a whole looks like. And, but no, Khalil, where I think, I mean, this was a guy that coming into his freshman season at college, he was regarded as a lottery pick. So the talent, the potential is, is obviously there, the tools to be a really good player. He's, I mean, he's around seven foot, can shoot the ball. Um, he has what coaches are looking for and sort of the modern big man. Uh, didn't work out in his first season at Oregon. And, and I think the main criticism, about him was his lack or his inability to have a, you know, consistent motor to play with that kind of drive. And the reason why I think Mike Woodson would be great for him is because we basically saw this with trace Jackson Davis. If there was a criticism about trace Jackson Davis through his first two seasons at Indiana is that he didn't seem to play with that fire all the time. And Mike Woodson unlocked that. He, he, he helped trace Jackson Davis play harder with more intensity uh, on a more consistent basis, and the the level that Trace went up was pretty obvious between his sophomore and junior year, and then even into his senior year, where on the defensive end as well, he was playing at a really high level. So I think we could see that same thing happen with Khalil Ware in that just being Mike Woodson being able to push him to play harder, to play with more intensity, and like I said, the the skill set is not an issue. So the you know his skills are are not what the problem is. I think Mike Woodson, based on what he did with Trace Jackson Davis and even to a certain extent, Race Thompson, I think that he is he's the right guy to help unlock that.
2: Where this whole exercise got very interesting, and we've had some fun with this over the last month or so. When you have looked at my preseason Big Ten top twenty-five player list with with Dylan Burkhardt of UM Hoops and. You've sent me your list, and we've kind of gone back and forth. And I think this voting actually confirms just how wide-ranging the opinions are going into the season and kind of how nobody has an idea. So we we were asked to vote for first and second team All-Big Ten in the preseason. 32 players got a vote. So that kind of tells you that there's not a lot of consensus with these with these players entering the season, just how difficult this is. Do you agree with the with the five that were on the first team? To me, this is basically the easiest part of the exercise. Zach Eady, Jameer Young, not in this order in particular for me, but Zach Eady, Jameer Young, Terrence Shannon Jr., Tyson Walker, Boo Booey. Any any issues with any of that?
1: No, I have no issues with that. I think the only thing I flipped was I had Boo Booey on first team and Tyson Walker on second. But I feel like those are they're pretty well, interchangeable. Yeah, those
2: guys are those guys are on. Okay, so you. Did you have Amori on first team then? Who was yeah, your other? I first had a, yeah, I had
1: Amori on first team.
2: Okay, so those are those are the top six, I think. And then, then after that's when it kind of gets very interesting. There's a couple of players I want to ask you about because there's been a lot of, and I'm not going to ask you about Zedkey Tyler. Just this because no, I know I know you're. Yeah, I, I was getting. Does Zedkey number? Does Zedkey
1: number? I'm
2: going to ask you about some other players though because there's been a lot of. I guess, discussion, you know, I, I try to pay a decent attention to kind of the the talk amongst Big Ten fans on social media, read some message boards. There's a couple of guys that have kind of been discussed, and I just want to get your take on on a couple of names. I'm going to throw some at you. Kese Tomonaga of Nebraska. Preseason, second team, all Big Ten on this list. I believe he was on the other preseason all 10 man team that came out last week that another media panel voted on do you agree with that is that too high what because i i think some people um look at him and say okay yeah he was really good down the stretch last season but nebraska's never really done anything as a team he's not a great defensive player but where do you kind of stand on him entering the season
1: i think there's a case for him to be on second team but I personally did not have him on there. I feel like there's a handful of players that are better and more impactful than him, especially not just talking about the offensive side of it, but the defensive side being able to play both ways. So that was part of the reason I I did not have him on the second team. Uh, I just feel like he's a good player and I think we will have a good season. I just feel like there are players that are better than him in the Big Ten.
2: Holman Hawkins of Illinois is another one who I'm pretty high on entering the season. I've talked about that in previous podcasts. I think I I kind of defer once I get past the, the no brainer names to the talent and I've seen the talent with him. I think in terms of his versatility and what he can do at six foot 10, he's not a, he's a guy that can step out and make shots in the perimeter. I think if he puts it all together, he's a guy that could definitely end up second team, all big 10. Just what are your thoughts on, on him entering the season? Is he a guy that you're kind of buying going into the season or somebody that maybe, maybe, people are overrating
1: my kind of i guess how i how i view this with Coleman Hawkins is like you were saying that the talent is not an issue um my question is is he going to get close to that ceiling or is he ju- is he just who he is at this point in his college career because it felt like we were having this same kind of conversation entering last season like this is a guy with a lot of tools uh, he has shown flashes of it, but hasn't done it at, on a consistent basis. Can he take that next step? And it didn't really happen last season with just, you know, especially watching uh, games against, you know, Illinois and Indiana, where it just felt like sometimes he just kind of just disappeared from the court and, and just the tools that he had, he, we didn't see him, you know? And um. so my question is, is this just who he is? Is, you know, is this, has it kind of run its course and, and he's not going to get better? Or is it? Is he going to be able to take that next step? I'm I'm not confident because I haven't seen it on a consistent basis yet. I think he can, but no, I think it is an interesting kind of case of a guy with a lot of potential. But is it just kind of is he the inconsistent player? Is that just who he is at this point?
2: I think I guess the one thing I'm betting on is Ma- Matthew Mayer's not there anymore. So I'm not going to say they're the same player, but they kind of play the same position you know three four um hawkins more of a four but in terms of where the shots are coming from i think he has a chance to uh, i think we're going to find out i guess is my point he's going to have the opportunity this year so if he's ever going to take advantage of it this is the year that it happens so we'll see with him julian reese is another guy i wasn't definitely wasn't as high on entering the season thought with him talent not an issue. The first couple of years at Maryland, he did a lot of good things. I, I think if he plays to his potential, he's you know maybe a top fifteen, top twenty guy. I think he ended up on the just on the fringe in, in this voting of one of the, the the second teams. I think he was the second guy out. To me, the issue there is: does he have the motor consistently play hard night in, night out? I felt like some games he was really good. I, I felt like other games he was just kind of out there and, and another guy on the court Julian Reese where what are you what are your thoughts on him just entering the season is he a guy that deserves kind of to be on that that fringe top 10 uh player in entering the year or not
1: I had him on the second team because one he has already proved the ability to produce at this level he, he had a really good season last last year and also the fact that I think he'll probably be the second best player on a Maryland team that has the potential to kind of finish in that top three, four, five of the Big Ten. Uh, him, him and Jameer Young, I think Jameer Young is pretty obviously the, the best player on that team entering the season. But being the second option, being the you know the second best player on a, a team that's near the top of the Big Ten, I feel like holds weight. Uh, I, he, he improved a lot between his first season and his second. I feel like we could continue to see him take a jump uh, he is kind of more an, an undersized big, but uh, I feel like he has great touch. And, and yeah, like you were saying, if he can if he can play with that motor consistently, um, I you know I think that he could be one of the best uh, bigs in the Big Ten.
2: Last guy I wanted to to get your take on Xavier Johnson of Indiana. Last season had a ton of expectations entering the year. Obviously, out of his control that he was hurt, I think that's hurt him a little bit in terms of where he's is on these lists in the preseason. But also, you kind of look at some of the numbers over his career. Doesn't shoot, you know, doesn't shoot a terribly high percentage from the field, ha- has battled turnovers. I think if you could bottle up that Xavier Johnson that we saw in the Big Ten tournament back in 2022, and that was the guy that you're going to see on a night in night out basis, you say, sure, he's a second or third team Big Ten, all, all Big Ten player. But if he's not able to be that. Then, you know, he's. Maybe a top 20, top 25 player just based on talent alone, but but without the consistency. Is there anything you've seen or anything you've heard that leads you to believe that he's going to be able to be consistently that player that we saw late in his first year at Indiana? Or is this just kind of a bet on him being a six-year guy and and using his experience and his his talent to to kind of overcome some of the inconsistencies in his game?
1: If there's going to be a time for him to put put it together in college, this has got to be it. He's, He's been around the college game for a while had a lot of experience, been ups, downs, all that. And I don't, I'm trying to think of how to word this right, but if you take, you know, the conversation of who's the best point guard in the Big Ten, if you take those guys, and I think, you know, Boo Boo is in that conversation, Jameer Young, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogarth. I guess you could kind of lump in there. I don't know if they're going to be sharing. Baldwin. And then I think Xavier Johnson deserves to be at least in that conversation, if you take all of those guys, at, if they're if each of those guys are playing their very best, I think Xavier Johnson is the best point guard in the Big Ten. That's if he is playing at the highest level. Like if if you if <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I'm getting this across right, but if if all those guys are playing at the top of their game, I think I would take him over ever, anyone because of his uh elusiveness, quickness, ability to share the ball. He can score the ball by himself. And then he's also, I mean, he's a legit two-way guy. We saw that at the beginning of last season where uh he was just a, a, a menace on the defensive end. And um they ba- you know Mike Woodson said it before Indiana probably doesn't get to the NCAA tournament uh in in what was Mike Woodson's first season at IU if it wasn't for Xavier Johnson's play down the stretch, especially in that Big Ten tournament too, uh which kind of sealed Indiana's ability to to get into the field. Uh they probably don't get in without the way that he played. Now, like you said, the biggest thing is consistency because he has also been erratic with shot selection, uh being able to keep composure. Uh, you know, we saw him back in his first season at Indiana, the frustration would get to him sometimes. But if if he is playing at that that high level, that upper echelon of what he can do, I think he is arguably the best in the Big 10 just as a bit, his all-around ability to impact the game. But that is uh hinges on his ability to do that consistently because if 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 it's been what it you know was in the first half of his season at first season at Indiana, then it's kind of just throwing darts of what you're going to get on a on a game-to-game basis.
2: Yeah, I think that's the problem too that people have in terms of trying to project him any higher than they have is They have all these data points from his first couple of seasons at Indiana and even going back to his days at Pitt where he was inconsistent. I mean, you look at that. Remember that first season, they had that game at Wisconsin where they had that huge lead, and he played really just a really poor second half. And Mike Woodson had him come out and talk to the media after that game because it was almost like, you know, I'm going to put you front and center and make you answer the questions because you were a big reason that we weren't able to come out on top. And so I, I think there's too many of those moments that people are stuck in people's head, and that's why you don't see them rewarding maybe the talent over the production. I think it's it's a big year for for Xavier Johnson. If he doesn't develop that consistency, I don't think Indiana as a team finishes anything higher than fifth or sixth at best in the Big Ten. If he can be better, then you could see them start to perform outperform those expectations. Tyler, I think we've made it through the the uh, official, unofficial Big Ten media poll. I do want to ask you about what you're looking forward to up at Big Ten Media Days these next couple of days in Minneapolis on Monday. I think obviously your focus will be on the Iowa women, Caitlin Clark coming back for, you know, uh, quite frankly, I think Iowa's goal this year is national championship, uh, and w- what. What maybe are you looking to learn from from Media Day uh, on the women's side, and then also Tuesday you'll be there for the men's side, uh, focusing on Iowa. But I'm sure you'll, knowing you like I do, you'll you'll bounce around to some of the other tables and pick up some nuggets from other players and coaches for stories uh, down the line. What are you kind of look, looking forward to most? This is this is kind of a, this is like right in your wheelhouse, right? Because you get to go around and talk to people and <laughs> get these little anecdotes that you like to use in your stories.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I'll I'll add a couple of things before I get into that. One, also with the Xavier Johnson conversation, he's also coming off a major foot injury that he didn't play. So I think that's a factor into expectations around him of like how, you know, he hasn't played a competitive game of college basketball in, since December. So, um, yeah, but uh, also if uh, if you disagree with any of my picks, you're probably right. So I'll just go ahead and give that to you now. So. Uh, yeah, no, no worries. But um, yeah, so <laughs> I almost forgot your question at this point. But yeah, no, uh, Big Ten Media Days. I, I'm just, I, I like kind of the vibe of being at at Big Ten at, at these types of events where you have coaches from across the conference coming together. You have uh, media members from across the conference coming together. It's just kind of, it's a cool vibe. It, it's something that you don't get a lot of times outside of uh, the Big Ten tournament, or you know something. That's really kind of specific to the conference. And now it's going to get even bigger with the uh, USC, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA coming in next season. So it'll maybe not feel as tightly knit, but, um, just being able to talk to the coaches and especially the breakout sessions where it's kind of off to the side and it's more personal, I guess, conversations. So yeah, I'm, I'm planning on, uh, Iowa women's tomorrow. I'll probably also drop into what Indiana women's stuff I, I can. Obviously, for them coming off of uh, a disappointing end to the season and what was an incredible regular season run, uh, losing Grace Berger, they got Mackenzie Holmes back, Sydney Parrish, Chloe Moore McNeil. What does the future look like for them and Terry Morin? And then on, on the men's side of things on Tuesday, uh, yeah, just interested to check in with Iowa and, and I'll also be uh seeing my good friends at Indiana, Mike Woodson and uh Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway. So yeah, I'm a I am I have not been to like the Indiana or to it availability or whatever since I left. So I'm excited to kinda I mean it's not like they're gonna be coming up to hug me or anything or probably even know who I am, but it it'll be cool for me.
2: X I think X will definitely remember you uh maybe, maybe Galloway too we'll see it'll be interesting um I know I've talked to you and I I kind of know how you're doing but I think there's a lot of people that listen to the show and they read, read inside the hall the last several obviously you weren't with the site last year but the two years pr- previously um just wondering how you're doing how how are things going in Des Moines are you're in Iowa City but you're writing for the Des Moines Register What's it been like trying to kind of, you know, you were so Indiana-focused for the last three years. I know you d- did a lot of, like, background in terms of learning about the football program and the basketball program. Even I think you went back and watched pretty much all the games from last season and obviously adjusting to living in a new place. Just give everybody an update on on how things are going with the, the first, quote-unquote, real job and, and adjusting to life in Iowa. It's been It's
1: been good uh one of the big adjustments i've had to make is not saying indiana when i say i like because when i'm talking in these podcasts and stuff you have two midwestern states that start with i and end with a so like at the very beginning i had to catch myself because i would almost be like indiana would be on the tip of my tongue and i needed to say Iowa. so that was like one of the first big adjustments i had to make but no i mean yeah it's just um I'm living uh, in Coralville, which is basically the same thing as Iowa City, just really adjacent to it. But I like it uh, uh, from what I've been around, and I've only lived there for about two months. It's similar to Bloomington. It's a college town. People are very passionate about uh, sports. And uh, I think I kind of said this before, but living in Bloomington, I felt like that really grew my love for basketball just because of the culture and atmosphere and how much people love basketball. And I can already tell that in Iowa, that's rubbing off on me, except from a football perspective, because football is kind of the A1 sport there. And there's a lot of passion for it, uh, a lot of interest in it. Uh, I think there's still a lot of interest in basketball, but football kind of takes the precedent. So I've definitely noticed that I enjoy, uh, I'm enjoying football and just kind of being in that atmosphere of it. And I... Watching the Iowa f- or the Indiana football kind of program from afar has been, <laughs> has been interesting. And I'm probably better this way than having me cover it right now. But yeah, no, it's just, uh, I mean, just a lot of life changes, learning a new place, meeting new people. Uh, it's exciting. It's a little bit scary. I feel like I'm kind of starting to, as Mike Woodson would say, get over the hump in terms of just my comfortability and where I'm living. So yeah, I'm enjoying it
2: good stuff well thanks for coming back on the show i know you had a long drive today from from iowa up to minneapolis but nice it's nice to see you it can actually this is actually drivable for you for for me you know obviously even the people i'm in Louisville, but even if i was in bloomington i mean i i can't imagine there's gonna be a ton of media at this from indiana that's one thing um that i wish that this The media day would still be in Chicago or Indiana was one thing. Indianapolis, one thing that I really like to go into every year, but this doesn't make sense to go all the way to Minneapolis, especially when we had Indiana's media day a couple weeks ago and talked to all these guys, but looking forward to your coverage and, and thanks as always for coming on the show, Tyler.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks everybody. As always for listening to podcast on the brink. We appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a a review there as well. Leave us a a review uh, on Spotify. That really helps us grow the show and have more people uh, find out about the show. And we'll be back soon with another episode of Podcast on the brink.